0: What's it like when one of your friends on death row is led away to be executed? You have a prepaid call from William A. Amira An inmate at the California State Prison San Quentin This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded I had to be a different, complete guy which is the guy who walked walkways of St. death row without a gang, without a group of people around me It was just me
1: Soon after you went into to be on death row Welcome to Death Row Diaries, the only podcast hosted live from Death Row. I'm Matt Ralston. I'm um, William O'Carroll. No Today, Bill, we're going to discuss Paris Bennett, this creepy little guy who killed his sister. And that in, in itself is strange, but he was only 13 years old at the time. Yeah,
0: this, this guy word creepy, yeah, you know, if he was a 13-year-old kid still, I'd say, well, let's not say it that way, but he's, I think, 25 or 26 years old, he's been incarcerated for nearly, you know, I think it's like something like 15 or 16 years already, and for the murder of his baby sister, and look, this, this case is horrible. I mean, when I first started reading about this guy, I thought, Jesus, it's one of those things that sometimes you wish you weren't right about certain things. And this guy this guy is the epitome of my theory that you're born this way. You're you're wired to kill. And this guy just backs up everything I say. I mean, there's nothing in this kid's um, formative years or his childhood that would say he still was a child. This guy wasn't a forty year old man that decided to start killing. This guy was still a child, and he exhibited a lot of different homicidal tendencies and an obsession with murder at such an early age that
1: there's no other way but this, but this kid was wired to kill. We'll get into it. I want to encourage everyone, remind everyone to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, that is at Death Row Diaries, and definitely check out our Patreon page, that is Patreon. slash death row diaries where you'll get access to exclusive content bonus episodes basically that are not available to the rest of the public and starting this week I would like to announce that we have partnered with anchor and that is um, a podcast hosting service so basically You'll see, if you're listening to the podcast on the Spotify app or like Apple or a lot of the ones that most of the people use, you will see that some of the episodes need to be unlocked, and that is a $5 a month feature, and I just want to let everyone know that the episodes on there that you're seeing, that's the same content that'll be available on Patreon. They're two separate things, but they function the same, basically. So, um, if you're seeing those on the app while you're listening to the podcast, you can, you know, pay a small fee to unlock those. And essentially you're a, a Patreon member, however you want to look at it. So that's pretty good bill, um, for us because it it makes it easier to Monetize the show a little bit and you know, help pay for the cost of running the show and everything. So, all right, done with that. Paris Bennett, you uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, we have to start with his upbringing, and there's really nothing. I mean, I guess you would assume okay, he's 13, he kills his four year old sister you got to assume, okay, he's raised by meth addicts who are abusing him and putting cats in the microwave and all this kind of stuff, but not the case, is it? No,
0: he doesn't have any type of what you would call abuse in his childhood. Okay, we're, we're talking about a child when he committed this crime, so there's nothing there. There are some things that, of course, raise the eyebrows because, look, how many of us can say we don't have crazy uncles or aunts or our grandmothers are clearly really out of their minds. There's there's in every family we have these kooky people. And in this kid's um, life, he's got a mom, Charity, who look, she's a wealthy kid. She comes from a family that I guess founded trucking or trucking and that's his grandmother, her grandmother. Her name is uh, Kayla. And she's not the most stable person in the world, what we can say. So I guess the story really starts with Kayla, the grandmother who founds this country. They're well off. Uh, in 1980, her husband, Bobby, which is, of course, um, Paris' grandfather, uh, they get back together and they remarry. And within a couple of days after they remarry he's found murdered, execution style. Now, the grandmother, Kayla, says that, you know, he was involved with drugs, with with people that were high-ranking members of different cartels. And, you know, we've heard this before. This is how you, 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 you you throw off the trail. Yeah, well, he was a, you know, he was dealing with with mobsters and he was a banker so they wanted to kill him because he wouldn't laundry money type of thing. Well, with this thing, she says that he was into car theft and a car ring and the mafia was involved and, you know, he was dealing with big cartels. All the stuff you need to throw the off of you. Well, a few minutes later, they charged the grandmother, Kayla, with the murder of her husband. And he was murdered execution style. And, you know, they went through a, a big public trial, six weeks. At the end of that, she's acquitted. She's found not guilty. She walks. Was it a good defense? Was the prosecution inept? I don't know, but she wants. So we have to presume that, eh, it is what it is. So uh, so their daughter, Charity, who is Paris' mom, I mean, look, she's not the perfect kid. She's kind of a rebellious teenager. She is addicted to heroin at a very early age. Don't know how that happens sometimes it comes when you have a lot of money. Sometimes you're bored. You start partying, you know, getting hooked on this stuff. I don't know. Uh, I was never a wealthy kid, so I'm not too sure how that works. But she becomes pregnant with Paris, and Paris' father's lead. Not really a lot about this guy, Matt. He's, he's not in the life of Paris or the mother while she's pregnant or while the child is first born comes into the picture after Paris is seventeen months old, and there's no there's no abuse in the family. There doesn't seem to be any kind of you know beatings or molestation. Nothing. It's just he seems to be just a normal kid growing up with a single parent to the age of seventeen months when his father comes back into the picture. Let me call back. Thank you for using Global Tel Link.
1: Amen. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of him. This is a pretty, I don't want to say famous picture, but it's its a picture that you're going to see of him when this story is covered. He's laying on a couch, and his sister is on top of him, and she looks to be, I guess, about three years old. So this is, this is definitely pretty close to when this thing happened. And on his arm, he has one of those terrible tattoos that that uh barbed wire tattoo on his arm and i don't know i guess only his mom and a few other people would know this but so it could be a fake you know tattoo a temporary tattoo that kids rub on i've done that before but if he was able to get a tattoo at the age of uh 12 or whatever that that signifies there's a problem but i, I don't know if the tattoo is real or not but anyway yeah i yeah, I don't think it's real. I think it's one of those tattoos you rub
0: on or whatever. And, you know, I think all of us have done it. I'm sure that you had one with freaking, you know, Yosemite Sam or something like that on it. But I mean, look, there's nothing there, and this is what just, I mean. Look, obviously, I'm always looking to prove myself wrong and test my thesis to test my theory on how serial killers are made and how killers are made and, and all this stuff. So. You know, I looked at this kid, and I looked at every angle I could find. Of course, we don't know everything. You know, this is an in-house murder. He kills his big sister. And, of course, there's going to be um, families that cover. His grandmother is going to cover for him. If, you know, if she is guilty of killing her husband, she obviously understands that she wants to cover for him. His mother's going to cover in some ways for him. Um, it's not like he went across the street and he was, you know, involved in something else and people are not no one knows really what this kid's about but everything that you said is true it suggests that he had a good relationship with his little sister they're always playing together they're always together there was no indication that suddenly he would turn at least on the surface so what we have to look at I think that I mean, it's just this is a horrible situation but the listener should understand that there was, just before this happened, a couple of incidences that suggest that something isn't completely normal about him. Now, there's been a lot made of his IQ, that he has a 141 IQ, and people are astonished by that. Look, 141 IQ is not that rare. It's what you would call that the kid is gifted, if you go to any university and you go to a graduate, uh, an MBA class or a graduate school, the majority of the kids there have an IQ of around between 130 and about 145. Okay? It's not that rare in moment. It isn't near genius. It's not genius. It's not these things that people keep doing because people have a sense that a killer or a criminal should be retarded. They're like normal people. They have different things that interest them, but they're like normal people. This kid, yes, he's gifted, but he's not anywhere near genius. He's intelligent. And he has the capacity, because Matt, look, correct me if I'm wrong, but an IQ is just that a person has a higher, well, an IQ level, depending on the level, it just measures your ability to solve problems you have the capacity to do x y and z having a big engine in a car doesn't mean you're going to go fast it just means you get the capacity to and 141 is gifted he doesn't have 170 180 IP which would say near genius it's 141. so people while i was reading they were attributing all this stuff to being your genius and of course the mad genius nothing can be further from the truth am
1: i right in this or am i completely off page here yeah, I mean, in his interviews, he thinks he's clever. I suppose he, yeah, like, he kind of has a sense of humor, which is which is pretty twisted. But, yeah, he's articulate. I mean, he grew up wealthy, too. He's got probably access to all the best books, you know, the best schools, whatnot. Like, I'm not saying it's directly related, but, you know, yeah. Like, he's... uh I don't know, he, he hasn't done anything to make me think he's especially intelligent, but he's obviously not stupid. Yeah, and look, we have to understand, he's been
0: incarcerated now for, what, about 12 years, 13 years, something, around that neighborhood, 2007, so, well, it's actually more, it's only 15 years. So he basically, as an adolescent, went into prison, into jail, and in jail you have a huge access. And because, look, he does have 141 IQ. so he, most guys' kids you know, aren't, you know, 100 is average, 110 is average. So yes, he's, he's intelligent. And maybe he has an interest because he killed a child in those youth authorities or youth offendership programs or juvenile halls or, or prisons. You have an X on your chest because people are going to try and kill you. So he didn't go to a normal yard. He didn't hang out with normal convicts and prisoners. So what did he do? He stayed in his and he you Is he articulate? I suppose he is. But the reasons are because he reads a lot. It isn't because he's a genius. So moving on, so just to spell the genius of rumors and stuff. There was an incident that took place that raised my eyebrows. And it was, it was about four months before the, the, the death of his sister. And he was playing with her at the house when suddenly he grabbed a knife and he ran out of the house. Now there's different takes on what happened there because remember his mother's the one talking about what happened. But it turns out that when she tries to grab him, he attempts to stab her and there is suggestion they try to stab his sister as well. He was taken to a hospital. Uh, You know, he was yelling, screaming, crying, and very aggressive. And the doctor said that he had homicidal, uh, homicidal tendencies. And he seemed to be obsessed with the fact that he wanted to kill him. That sends a red flag up for me. But, of course, I'm sure that parents, uh, if this happens to your child, you're not automatically going to take a doctor's word and slam him in a freaking home, a mental institute for the rest of his life. So his mom does what most parents do. They bring him home. That was four months before the actual incident they he's in jail for. And it seems to have just been an episode. But one day, Matt, one day before the murder of his sister, his mother catches him in his room with her underwear. And he's
1: wearing some of her underwear and he seems to be very excited aroused the the mom's underwear or the sisters the mother's underwear
0: now look I know before everybody starts jumping on my case here I know Matt's going to want to do it too I'm not suggesting that a child who tries on his mom's clothing or women's clothing is going to become a homicidal killer I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is what happened. And it was a day before the homicide. And his mother got very upset with him. So, it gives a peek into that this guy isn't 100% normal. There are some things that are a bit off. One of them is he is at a very early age already showing a bit of sexualization things. And I'm not suggesting that all kids that dress or men that dress up like women have these tendencies, but because of the episode that happened, and look, Matt, we're looking at this thing 15 years later and we're, we're playing armchair quarterback. But to me, the incident four months before of stabbing his mother and attempting to stab his sister, catching, being caught the day before the murder, wearing her underwear, and that she noticed he was aroused. That would send some red flags
1: for me. A- am I wrong in this? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And she was also, I think, monitoring his internet searches. Probably the worst nightmare of any teenager child. But, you know, she was finding... And, I mean, this this could be normal. It kind of depends on what the actual stuff was as opposed to the categories. But, you know... SM bondage and apparently he's searching for snuff films like I, I don't know I'm sure you can find those if you kind of know what you're doing but anyway yeah th- that's fairly alarming certainly not something he should be doing that's, a, that's just a weird situation I, I can't imagine as a parent a professional tells you essentially yeah this kid wants to kill people so you bring him home. I mean, what do you do? Do you lock your door at night? Do you, yeah, you don't want to give him up, but, God, I mean, you're just aware of the fact that he's way off?
0: Yeah, I mean, those those internet searches uh, were huge. I mean, look, as I said before, he got caught wearing some underwear. I never did that, but there are kids that do that, and they're experimenting because maybe they're not in the right... Gender, I don't know. Look, I, I'm not judging that part. But it gives a peek into what you said suggested, which is the internet sex, uh, searches. He's looking for bondage. It's not just, hey, I'm looking for Cheryl Teeks in a bikini or Farrah Fawcett. And by me saying those things, I'm sure you guys are saying, damn, this guy's old. But you know what I get? You know, he's not innocently looking for girls or, or whatever. He's looking for bondage. In snuff films, where you're killing people as you're, you're 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 doing these porn things, and he's searching for things that are very aggressive. That you know, and with the incidents that happened, there's a problem there. And there are, look, at 13, I was looking at GI Joe with a kung fu grip. You know, that that was well, You know, looking at Evil Can or something on TV. I wasn't looking around for smut flips or s and bondage. It just was not even on my radar.
1: So what would you do? I mean, day. if if it was your kid, what would you do? Would you yeah, put him in a residential facility? Would you definitely would have to get him some therapy, but I mean what would you really do? Would you throw his computer away? I might do that. What would you do? Yeah, I that's, that's a difficult one because I look at things through the lens of a man who has gone through
0: and seen things that probably no one should see. So I'm very biased. But of course, if, if I had a child and he exhibited these type of, I guess, tendencies or interests, and I'm his father with, his, with this vision I already have, I wouldn't leave him alone with my I wouldn't leave him alone with my four-year-old daughter. But then again, his mother's seen him with her. And he's very loving with her. He's very caring. Um, it's, I that's a hard question, and I don't, I don't have the answer. I would definitely seek uh, therapy. I would get him to a, uh, to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, child counselor immediately to see what, they, what their opinion is. Because my opinion is right away, there's something wrong, and we have to deal with this immediately. But look, a mother is a mother. She loves her child. She doesn't want to, you know, put him in jail. Even after he committed this crime, she's very hesitant. No parent wants to throw away the key of her her two-year-old child. But then again, he did kill the other child.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's probably hard to see it, too, because he looks like you're kind of all-American... He he looks pretty innocent. He doesn't look like the creepy, you know.
0: Kid. I have sixty seconds remaining.
1: He just looks like a normal kid, is all I'm saying. And you don't picture thirteen-year-old kids, you know, being able to do this kind of thing. No, and he, he look. He wasn't lighting fires. He wasn't torturing
0: animals. He wasn't in juvenile hall thirty-five times before he's thirteen. Because I know a lot of kids that were in juvenile hall at the age of ten because they were that they were that screwed up. It shows nothing like that. So, of course, you know, you can't second guess his mom could never have imagined that he would do this. Uh, let,
1: let me call back. Okay. Yeah, so I guess we should get into the incident. Yeah, no, I mean, I, we've given kind of a long
0: talk about this kid because it's, it's, it is so shocking. I've seen a lot of weird stuff, and this right here, and we'll get into actually what he did that keeps me—it keeps me up at night—to think about what this kid, who he really is—and I'm going to give you my my best uh, profile on him and what I believe caused him to do this, as well as what his state of mind is today and what it will be if they allow him out, because, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to parole according to the legal minds and the people that have because of his age at the time of the crime. So let's get into February 5th, 2007. Paris is 13 years old and he
1: and his little sister who is 14 years old, her name is Ella. Four years old. And they are... Me- I'm sorry, what? Four years old. Oh, what did I say, five? He said 14. That's going to confuse people oh, I'm sorry, Her, his four-year-old
0: little sister, they're being babysitted by a young woman who obviously has been a babysitter before. And there, that is a, kind of a question. Why are they being babysitted? Mother, his mother works at a restaurant, so they must not be that well off. His grandmother probably has money because of the company they founded. I don't know if they, if they blew the money or they kept the money. I don't know all the details, but the bottom line is they're being babysitted by a young woman. And they are watching Alice in Wonderland and, um, uh, you know, they put, uh, the, the babysitter puts Ella to bed and then Paris convinces her, Paris convinces her that she can go ahead and leave. Uh, he can take care of his sister. Um, uh, she's just in bed. Nothing's going to happen. I'm 13. I can take care of her. So go ahead and go home. And this young woman decides to listen to a 13-year-old boy, and she leaves. So what happens after that, we really don't know except for what Paris has said and what police later tell us. But it is pretty obvious that Paris Bennett... The 13-year-old boy goes into the room where his little sister is sleeping. He is carrying a knife in his hand. And he sexually molests, rapes, and then stabs his sister, Ella, approximately 17 times and kills her. Now, I'm going to pause for a minute there. Uh, Matt, and say that it's not as simple as what I just said. Ray, stab, killed. It seems because of the wounds that the child uh, suffered, that the wounds were not considered to murder immediately. The first ones, it seems that he was torturing her. He liked what he was doing. And I'm saying this because the wounds were very superficial He's 13, but he's strong enough to stab basically right through her. And then towards the end of the stabbings, he begins to increase the level of damage. So it suggests to me they tortured her too. And that's very disturbing. It's not an accident. He planned this. He convinces his, his babysitter to leave. He already has the intention to do what it is that he's gonna do. This wasn't something that was a spur of the moment. His little sister hit him on the head with a frying pan. He got upset, he threw a knife, and well, he stabbed her one time and she was a This is very calculated, very premeditated, and he is acting as if he was an adult. Look at the plan, convince a person to leave, that gives him access. He's alone, he picks up a knife, now he has the instruments. He already has the intention to rape, then to kill. Could it have been the smut films that gave me the idea? Possibly. But no kid that age does that unless he's wired to. Nothing in his formative years suggests anything other than exactly that. This kid is a homicidal, homicidal maniac. This kid is... He's a psychopath, has psychopathy, and he is an evil person. I, I, there's no other way to put this, man. I, I don't, I've searched my whole entire file in my head on all the killers and serial killers I've studied. This boy at 13 years of age is just as calculated
1: as a serial killer. Yeah, very calculated and methodical Um, like he would so he called the police and told them what he did and he described stabbing her as being like stabbing a marshmallow or a mattress Um, so just like a detached aspect of it and you know I don't want to get into the details but something sexual happened which he Kind of tried to cover up and still denies, but I think the evidence is pretty clear. So I don't quite yeah, understand okay, why yeah. he's ashamed of that, where he's kind of, I guess, proud about killing his sister.
0: Yeah, interesting enough, after he kills her, he actually called a friend and spoke to her, or him, another boy. And they spoke for about approximately six minutes then he calls 911 and of course here comes the second phase of the crime which is really the cover-up but it's the performance that it gives that really stirs me he calls up and he's crying he's crying that his sister has turned into a demon and that she's possessed and he's talking to the 911 person he crying, he's saying that uh, he stabbed her because she thought she was a demon. And then the 911 caller, uh, uh, the operator, immediately asks him to start performing CPR, which then he goes through his whole litany of what he's supposed to be doing, trying to perform CPR to bring her back and stuff. But when the police arrive, there's no evidence that he performed any CPR, meaning that he knew she was dead. And he was very comfortable with that. The crime was a performance. So once they arrest him, they want to talk to him. And first he comes up with a story that his sister is possessed by a demon. And he was afraid for his life. He heard voices, and that's why he ended up stabbing her. Then he said that he killed her to punish his mother. And then he said that he did it because he wanted to cover up the sexual abuse he had been inflicting on his sisters for a number of months. Okay, so I don't believe any of it. First of all, to cover up the sexual abuse, the child wasn't saying anything. So why would he have to cover it up? There was no there was no uh, suspicion that he was sexually abusing her. But we do know that the night that he killed her, they found DNA there. So he did climax, which is I know it's disturbing as hell to talk about, but we we really gonna talk about what this kid did and, and the the measure of the crime, he's doing things here that experienced murderers are doing. He's getting excited with what he's doing. He's not just killing out of rage or upset. It's something he planned, he stalked his victim. So let me let me lay this out for you Pat. He stalked his victim he planned the killing out of the babysitter. He had the weapon. He goes in there, and what is his, really his, if you want to call it his MO, his signature, it's there. It's, it's very, uh, it's kind of hidden, but it's there. He likes the personal effect of a knife. It, it arouses so much, that he climaxes. These are extremely mature actions of a very young boy who seems to be years ahead in terms of being a serial killer or a murderer. I don't believe they did it because upset him, because his mother had another child, because his mother favored I don't believe it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with one thing that drive, that tick, that he is exhibiting at a very early age that men
1: usually do when they're 20. 25, 30, and 40 years of age. It just occurred to me, you know, the mom is pretty likely, she seems to enjoy, or she's very willing to insert herself into this situation with the media. She released a memoir about the thing, and, you know, she's she's eager to talk about it. I don't know if I would be not just because my son was a killer, but it just occurred to me, someone tells you, a professional tells you that the kid's homicidal, maybe you should remove the knives from your house? Just just a thought, you know, it's not my kid, but just something I would have maybe thought of. Yeah,
0: no, you're absolutely right. There's just a lot of things here that happened that, you know, you and I are looking at this so many years later, the mother's involved in a job, she's trying to take care of two children. Uh, I don't know how significant his father's life is in his life, but she seems to be a woman who's working. There seems to be suggestion that she's relapsed to some kind of drug use. Maybe all these things are firing her help. Of course, it's negligence. No doubt, it's negligence. But who would ever imagine that their child, their 13-year-old baby boy is going to do this? I could not have imagined these results. But I would have been conscious enough, and again, I'm looking at this through my eyes, and I see, I, I, I see potential for killers everywhere. So I would have taken him to a psychiatrist, and if he had to stay there a couple weeks, couple months, to take a look at what are these different tendencies he's showing, show them the type of internet searches he's doing, uh, showing them the that he's wearing mother's underwear and he's aroused by it. They tried to stab the mother and then possibly the child. There's a lot of things here that we should look at, but look, they take him. They take him into custody. He's not being released, and the mother does do something that's very interesting. Once he's you know convicted, he's given 40 years for capital murder. But in most cases, at least the ones that I've read and I've seen, mothers and fathers attempt to bring the child home no matter what the child has done and normally of course it's somebody else it's not their own child that's being murdered by their own other child but they tend to want to bring the child home they kind of have a denial thing here they try to give bring out the best light in the child that he he deserves to be home if he's in an institution he's going to get worse that doesn't happen here his mother actually goes to the DA's office and wants him to have to get as much time as they can give him for this. Because she knows a mother's instinct I'm sure after she realized what happened told her that this kid is not done. And I would go as far as saying this Matt. and I mean he's due out for parole in 2027. That means another four years. And look i I've talked about this before, so I don't want to be a hypocrite here. He was 13. It's very difficult to put a child away with a pain like that for the rest of his life and let him die in prison. And I've always suggested that every person before he's released for these type of crimes, when they're a teenager, myself included, should in fact go through counseling, psychiatric care, psychologists look at him to really evaluate where this kid is especially the crime that he committed the reasons they did but the biggest flag in all this is the sexualization of what he did that's a problem for me I've talked about this before there is no cure for guys who rape there are no cures for serial killers serial rapists
1: in that category because it's a tick they can't stop it's an impulse and when I come back we'll talk a little bit about that yeah, so normally, a 13-year-old, kind of, almost regardless of the crime they committed, you would, you would probably root for them to get out. In this case, no. You know, looking at, at the way he talks about it, like he's reliving it when he does these interviews, what do you think would happen if they let him out? Are they going to let him out, and what would happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Um,
0: I've never seen this kid. I've seen photographs, but I've never seen a video of him or anything. However, because of the nature of the crime that committed at such an early age, the sexualization of the violence, the, uh, the nature of the stabbing, the torture, the premeditation, everything that goes down the line that are check marks for, you know, throw this gun, get the key and throw it away. But this guy's thirteen. The problem I have here is that he's a performer. He knows how to perform and I think he likes the whole everybody's saying that I'm so intelligent, I'm so articulate, that you know, I'm really this guy. I, I think he's narcissistic, I think he's self centered, I think this whole thing has become about him. Um there are books about him. There are films about him. It's always him, him, him. And, and I understand that if a person is trying to get a career, sure, it has to be about you, you. You want to be a doctor. You have to study harder. You get all these things. It is about your career. But with this guy, it seems to be centered around the attention he's getting for the crime that he committed. Not what he's doing after. He's not counseling children. He's not talking about rehabilitation. He's not attempting to understand what happened to him as a child and therefore help other people there's nothing like that in his vocabulary so he's reading this thing as I'm getting all his attention because of what I did and he's not dealing with the problem I believe that if they let him out and they're probably going to let him out because they let out are all these bunch of weirdos that you and I have talked about they're going to let him out he, he was very young. And I don't know if if there's a solution to this. I believe he'll kill again. And here's the real scary part. His mother in 2013 had another child. Had a son named
1: Phoenix. Great. And yes, that's the first thing that went through my head.
0: I think that because this kid, well, he's a man now, Paris, his reaction to his mother's actions Seemed to give me another pause. So a couple of years ago, his mother um, did a couple of things against him, and sued her for paternity. She she wanted for custody of his well being, and he wanted to put his grandmother, her, the former killer, as being his guardian. And when his mother pulled away from him stop the lawsuit. So he's using whatever weapon he does to be able to get where he needs to get. He used the law by suing his mother to give his grandmother, Kayla, uh, guardianship over him. That tells me a lot there. And then, of course, when she threatened to leave him, he, he, he pulled away from that. So I'm thinking that there's a lot of anger towards his mother there. Not that this is the reason he killed his sister, but because it's the most, the biggest focal point that he has, the biggest issue that he has present in his life as his mother probably takes care of him in prison. You can't see this guy being a mainland and try and kill him because he killed a child. Although he was a child, it doesn't matter to convicts. I'm sure he's in some type of protective custody. And I'm sure he actually blames his mother in a way for that. And now she has another child who she is, of course, she loves her child. Her first two children were a tragedy, one being murdered, the other one being the murderer. Now she has a child named Phoenix, and he has a heart condition. So she's very loving her child. I think if they let this kid out, I think he'll try and kill again. I can't tell you who he, I'm suggesting it would be his mother or his little brother, but he could all the years in prison Different magazines he's read, the different things that got in his head, those tendencies and those impulses have matured. They're very mature as a 13 year old. You can only imagine where they're at now. I believe there's a bit of fantasy going on in his life as well. He is already at 13 an organized killer. Let me say that again. At 13, this guy is exhibiting all the traits of an organized killer. This was an opportunity. This was planned. He stalked his victims. He did what he did because he meticulously planned it. If he gets out, I believe you'll kill again. That's just my take on it. Um, if he was a kid that I thought was rehabilitated or could be rehabilitated, I'd say so. You've heard me say it about other guys who have killed. This guy shows no remorse, no exhibition of any kind of, uh, he's not exhibiting any type of of, uh, wanting to help himself, help other people with experience. He's not looking for any avenue to try and help people. I think he believes he's going to get out relatively soon, and he's
1: waiting for that moment. Yeah, and it shouldn't matter how old he was when he did it in this case, because he's now an adult. And when he talks about what happened, it's no different than the uh, Joseph Naso, Ed Kemper, any of these guys. He, he seems to be gratified either by the crime or by the attention brought to him because of it, which, you know, means that this person has no remorse. Right. Ed Kimber, and you know what? He kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Very young boy, uh, he murdered his uh,
0: his grandparents. He gets out, and he does a he goes on, on, a, on a serial killer spree, he becomes the co-killer. And what does he do in prison? He starts talking about the serial killers and all that stuff. But he's doing it only because he likes the attention. I'm not a serial killer. I'm only here as an armchair quarterback who studies serial killers. It's a little bit different. This kid right here, he gives me the heebie-jimmies. This kid right here, who is now, I believe, 25 years of age, or 26, um, if you let him out again, he's going to turn into Ed Timber. He's going to kill. And I don't think there's anything you and I can do about it If giving any opportunity, this guy's going to do it. And I'm willing to bet you that in that jail, he has a spotless record. He's very cooperative with staff. He doesn't bother anybody. Because like most guys that are in prison who are sexual sadists, killers, sexual fiends, rapists, they're usually usually towers. They're not really convicts. They're just inmates. And convicts are trying to do a number on them. So, look, my take is this guy should go through intense counseling and psychiatric help. And if the psychiatrist that's looking at him and the psychologist are worth their weight, <laughs> if just worth their weight, they would uh, suggest
1: parole for him. Is he medicated? Like, can they force people? You can't force someone to take psychological. Medication, psychiatric medication, can you? Um, in certain cases, they
0: can. If he's a threat to himself, if he's a threat to the people, sure, they can do that. And, and I don't know if he's taking any medication or not. I don't know if his lithium count is off, is he bipolar, is he exhibiting depression, any of these things that could be associated with being locked up in a cage for such a long time from a, such an early age. So I don't know this. But I am sure that because of the nature of his crime, that there is gonna be a board of psychiatrists, psychologists are gonna take a look at him. Hopefully, they won't be so astonished by his mild manner, his articulation of his situation, and how he's dealing with it, and by this, again, this 141 IQ that people seem astonished by, and that they don't slip up and let this kid
1: out. Uh, it's really depressing that the mom had another kid. You know, it, it seems seems pretty likely that the murder gene came from her side of the family. You know, she was working at a Buffalo Wild Wings, which is pretty grim. But you know, people need to make a living, and and I I guess she started doing cocaine, uh, which you shouldn't shouldn't be doing really regardless, but not when you have two small children. Although, was she just doing a little bit because she was working these long hours? You know, that's one thing, I guess. But um, the fact that she, you know, will do any TV segment about her murderous son of anyone that asks, and having another kid who has a heart condition, I'm guessing maybe because the mom was a drug addict. I mean, this person's probably a narcissist as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I, I, I tend, when it comes to his mother, parents of mother charity, you know, I, I feel bad no matter how you look at it. I mean, her, her two children are just, it's a tragedy. The whole situation is that she turned to drugs doesn't surprise me. People turn to all, when they have a lot of stress in their life so I'm not making excuses for her, but I, I, I kind of understand. And understand doesn't mean I agree with. It just means that I kind of understand maybe where this came from, the, the, the using of the drugs maybe it's a, it's a stressor, it's, regardless. That um, yes, she's doing television shows and uh, writing books about her child and murder and stuff. Yeah. I, I can't throw stones when you live in a glass house, but... I guess that most people that don't commit crimes, don't, are not in the situation I am. I could probably, you know, point their finger and say, why are you doing this? But, I mean, I certainly can't, but I I feel bad for her. She lost two children in this whole situation, and she's dealing with a child who has a a medical issue, a heart condition, and and I just, I, I feel bad for her, terribly bad for her.
1: Yeah, I feel bad for her too. I just we just don't need more of her DNA in the world. But yeah, you know, it's a free country. Yeah. I, I agree. yeah. <laughs> uh well, this is one of the more depressing episodes we've done. Maybe we'll li- <laughs> lighten it up a little bit next week. Yeah, there's uh, yeah. Why <laughs> lighten it up by talking about serial killers dressed up like clowns or something <laughs> as opposed to a kid who, you know, does what he does, right? <laughs> well, until then I've been Matt Ralston. And I'm
0: willing to hear up. Be safe, be aware of your surroundings. Your life can depend on it. We'll see you next time.